0: I want to encourage you guys before we get going, don't waste those times of worship. Don't check out. Engage your heart with the Lord. I have been shaped and transformed and renewed and called back into holiness and called back to loving Jesus because in those moments of worship, I just opened my heart to the Lord. And I received what he had for me. We are going to be a church that waits on the presence of God. We are going to be a church that does not move on when God is moving. I say this to you with just joy and and compassion in my heart. Don't waste those moments. Engage with God. Close your eyes and just say, Lord, what are you saying to me? He's going to talk to you about your life. He's going, to, he's going to give you new assignments. You're going to be taking up in the Spirit. Angels are going to visit you. You're going to experience the fire of the Holy Spirit if you engage your heart during those times. I remember one time when I was 16 years old. Any 16-year-olds we have in here? Woo-hoo. <laughs> yeah, my own daughter. You're 16. That's right. <laughs> I was 16 years old and I was in a worship service and it was a moment like that. We were just waiting on the Lord and I began to feel the fire of the Holy Spirit course up and down my body and I began to feel a wind of the Holy Spirit swirling around my head. I can't explain it to this day but there was, it was like physical wind but I would try to feel the wind and it wouldn't, I couldn't feel the wind. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment and he said, I've called you to be a priest before me. I've called you to minister before me night and day. I've called you to write songs. I've called you to be one who leads my people into the glory of God in worship. It wasn't all, you know. it wasn't like that succinct, but that's what he was doing in my spirit. And then someone gets up and goes, if anyone just feels cold, to minister to God, you, just, you feel called to pray long hours, you feel called to give your life and waste it in the presence of God in intercession for a revival and for the next generation. And I ran down to the front and I got on my face and I committed my life to the Lord. I had no idea what the next 20 years was gonna look like. I had no idea how God was gonna work it out but I felt the invitation from heaven but you know what? If you don't wait on him, if you don't open your heart to him, you don't feel, you, he won't invite you in. He's always inviting. But you have to be aware of what you're saying yes to. You have to be, you have to make room for him, amen? Oh, so I just wanna encourage us. God's gonna do that more and more and more and more. We're gonna see manifestations of the spirit in worship, we're going to see the very glory of God around His throne room. It's going to invade this place. I prophesy that right now. We are going to have angelic encounters in worship. The cloud of glory will descend. Fire from heaven will fall upon our hearts. The glory of the light of His face is going to shine. Oh, Anyway, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. Mm. And when they went into that song, whew, heaven come, yours is the kingdom. I just felt like the Lord speaking to me like, Marcus, this is real. This isn't a pipe dream, this is going to happen. Heaven is going to invade earth. It will be the most radical, revolutionary takeover that has ever happened in the earth. And Jesus is going to claim kingship, not just in one nation, but in every nation of the earth. He's coming with all of the angels of heaven. He's emptying heaven. And when he said it is finished on that cross, he purchased the day when he would rule and reign forever. Nothing can thwart it. Nothing can stand in its way. He will come in like a rushing stream. The deliverer to Israel will rise again. And he will establish a covenant with the nations. And they will worship him. And they will be discipled by him. And they will love him. And those who know him now, blessed and holy are you who take part in the first resurrection. Over you, the power of death does not exist. Blessed and holy are you who take part in the first resurrection. You will sit on thrones and you will reign in glory with the King of kings and Lord of lords." Did you guys know that the Great Commission does not end when Jesus returns? It only gets started. Did you know you're gonna disciple the nations in a resurrected body for a thousand years? You're gonna lead them to Jerusalem? You're gonna introduce them to Jesus? Oh guys, our callings are way beyond the 70 years that we live on this earth. When you feel that frustration that God isn't doing everything that he's called you to, that there's so many prophecies that haven't been fulfilled, God, what are you waiting on? He's going, we're doing this forever. You don't understand. What I've called you to is eternal. What I've called you to is immortal. And when your mortality is swallowed up by life, That's when the joy begins. That's when the rewards come. That's when the repayment happens. I saw you when you loved me when no one was looking. I saw you when you were waging war against the sins of the flesh and you overcame. I saw you when you laid it all down and went where I told you to go, even though it didn't look like you thought it was gonna look. I saw you. My eye was on you. And I'm coming with recompense. And I'm coming with reward. And I'm coming with life abundant. We were singing, let heaven come. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. And I was overwhelmed by my lack of understanding of what I was singing. But I was also encouraged by The things I understand of that day, it's like, Lord, do it again, Lord, do it. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today, and I'm jumping into the middle of my message. So we're just going to kind of like piece this whole thing together and it'll be fine and God will have his way. Amen. Guys, he's coming to reward. He's coming. It says in Revelation chapter 11, one of my favorite verses. Jesus breaks into the sky, the seventh trumpet. At the last trumpet, Paul says, oh, he will descend with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the dead will rise first. The graves will be opened. His voice that spoke, La- that, that, that brought forth Lazarus from the tomb is going to bring forth everyone who ever trusted in him and bring them into their eternal identity, their eternal existence as sons and daughters of a kingdom. And it says in Revelation chapter 11, the 24 elders, they start praising God and they say, we give you thanks, our Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. They're not waiting for it any longer. They're seeing it, and they're singing about it, and he's beginning his reign. And then he says this phrase, and you will reward your servants, the saints and the prophets, both great and small. Guys, I have my eyes set on that day and on that reward, and I am not letting it go. No matter what the spirit of age says no matter what the world might define success. No, success is living for Jesus. Success is following Jesus. Success is standing before that judgment seat of Christ and seeing a smile on my master's face, seeing a smile on my Lord's face. Oh, you bring him such pleasure now with your obedience. So that day is coming, and I felt in my heart just this last couple of weeks, Marcus, follow me. Marcus. Not anyone else. I just felt personally for me, Marcus, don't take your eyes off me. Marcus, obey me. Marcus, lay down your life. Marcus, pick up your cross. Marcus, die to yourself. It's going to be worth it. I was dialoguing uh, with the Lord. I was just having a conversation with him. I dropped my daughter off from school uh, about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. and, And I was just talking to the Lord about some things in my heart. And so clearly, it's almost like you, you know you can just kind of stop praying and the Lord's talking to you, you know. I felt him say, Marcus, follow me. This is the verse I specifically felt, John 21. It says this. Peter just got reinstated. He had denied the Lord three times. Mike actually, a few weeks ago when Andrew preached, he he. During the ministry time, he brought up these verses of, if you love me, feed my sheep, if you love me. And then Jesus tells Peter how he's gonna die. (laughs) Wouldn't you love that if you're Peter? (laughs) But you know, I think Peter loved it because he really wanted to give his life for the Lord. But he didn't have the power to do it. But he was gonna receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, Peter, when you're older, you actually will stretch out your hands. And others will carry you where you do not want to go. And John tells us that Jesus said this, giving light to the kind of death that Peter would honor Jesus with. And then right after he calls him, literally, in the future, Peter, you're going to carry your cross. He says, Peter, follow me. It's that same discipleship call that he said in Matthew 10 and Matthew 16 and Luke chapter 9. Take up your cross and follow me. And then Peter. I love Peter. I love that he was just so vocal. If he kept all these things internal, we would feel so bad about ourselves. (laughs) Verse 20. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following him, following them. The one on whom had laid back against him during the supper, and had said to him, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? Verse 21. Then Peter saw him, and he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? So he just gotten called to follow Jesus, and then, you know, he kind of does the whole walking on water thing again, takes his eyes off Jesus, looks back, sees John. He says, Lord, what about this man? And I don't know if what was in Peter's heart was, I, I, we have no idea. But the Lord used it as a teaching moment for Peter. And he says this. Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And I was feeling that for my own soul. How many of you guys kind of feel that pull to compare your life to other people. (laughs) That's kind of all of us, right? We feel that pull of, Lord, how are you leading this person? Lord, what you're doing in their life looks better than what you're doing in my life. Lord, why do they, Lord, am I touching anyone in here? Yeah. And I think the Lord's answer to us is, what is that to you? That's nothing to you. Their calling, their destiny in me, their ministry assignment, what is that to you? That's nothing between you and me. You follow me. And I just felt the renewal of strength filling my soul I'm gonna follow you, Jesus. I wanna follow you to the end. And it, and it threw me into some of the just classic discipleship passages that we need to return to just time and time again. Guys, these only get richer as we grow in the Lord. As we mature in the Lord, these passages only mean more, but they, they keep us on that straight and narrow way. I mean, Jesus knew it was gonna be hard. Matthew seven is what I'm thinking about right now. And he goes, wide is the path that leads to destruction. And many are on that path. He goes, narrow is the way that lead to life. Narrow is the way that lead to life and few find it. He knew it was gonna be a difficult road And I was just feeling that for my own soul in this season. Lord, I want to sign back up again in light of your coming, in light of eternity. I want to sign back up again to pick up my cross. I want to sign back up again to die daily. I want to sign back up again to lay down my life for you. I want to sign back up again to hate my life in this world. I want to sign back up again to be the seed that goes into the ground so that it can produce much fruit. I want to sign back up again. Oh, Holy Spirit, put strength in our hearts this morning to sign back up again. Let's go to Matthew 16. This is kind of the passage I've been camping out on for the last couple of weeks. Hey, honey, would you bring up my water right there? Or Shane. Yeah, yeah, you can just bring it up. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, honey, thanks, honey. (laughs) Oh. Okay, Matthew 16. So Peter, we get one of his... Glorious moments again, he had just walked in revelation and proclaimed that Jesus was the Christ and he's, and it's awesome and Jesus loves, loves this moment. Uh, you don't have to put that up just yet. And I mean, when you think about this, the timeline, they were with Jesus for about a year before Jesus asked them the question, who do you say that I am? He was patient with them to gain revelation. He wanted them to see the man descend in Capernaum and the roof get torn off. And he wanted them to hear, son, your sins are forgiven. And then he wanted them to see that he had the authority to forgive sins by lifting that man off of his sickbed and that man walking out of that house. He wanted them to see it. He wanted them to see two times before this, it says that the entire region came to Jesus and as many as touched the hem of his garment was healed. And then another time, the entire region came to Jesus and all who were sick were healed. Wouldn't that be amazing? We walk out of this room and everyone who has One pain, one sickness, anyone who has anything they're dealing with physically, we just walk out healed by the glory of God. I think he wants to do that again in our generation. We need to believe for those big things. But he wanted him to see it. He was patient with this revelation. Then about a year in, he sits him down and he goes, goes, guys, who do the crowds say that I am? And it's kind of weird because they're kind of like talking about like reincarnation or something like that. Some say Jeremiah. Some say like, no, Jeremiah was a real person. He's in heaven. Like he's not Jeremiah, you know, that type of thing. They're not talking about reincarnation, but I don't know. And he says, but who do you say that I am? And they go, you're Christ. You are the Messiah. You are God's son. And from then on, Jesus just takes them on a two-year journey of like, you are right that I am God's Son, and I'm going to show you over and over and over again. And I'm going to pour into you so that your faith is so strong when it's fueled by the Holy Spirit that you're going to spread this message, message to the entire earth. You're going to give your life for me, the Son of Man, just like I'm going to give my life for you. But then Peter or Jesus, turns, and he says, and from that moment, he began to teach them that he must suffer at the hands of the scribes and elders and Pharisees, that he must die, and on the third day, he would be raised again. And of course, Peter pulls the master aside and rebukes him, and then he gets his own rebuke. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have your mind set on the things of God. Your mind is set on the ways of man, and I don't operate like that. I am God in the flesh. I am the Son of God submitted to the Father. Get your mind on the things of God, and you're going to understand these things. Guys, I want to say that to us here. we got to get our mind on the things of God. Of God. We got to pull our mind away from the influences of the world, of our flesh, of the pride of life, of our culture, and we got to set our minds on God. You hear the statement, oh, he's so heavenly minded, he's of no earthly good. That's so untrue. That's not biblical at all. You want to be useful at all in the world? Set your mind on heaven. You want to be useful at all for God? Put your mind on Him, and you will be used by God for His glory and for His kingdom. So Peter says, Jesus, let's talk about this. He gets called Satan. You know that just always gave Peter a little humble pie when he was discipling a new convert <laughs> and he saw some immaturity. He was like, "Yeah, well, son of God called me Satan, so <laughs> I can have some patience with you. <laughs> and it says in verse 24, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me. So he's just saying, I have to die. I got to do this thing. But then he's giving his disciples a call to action. This is what they are going to be called to do. This is what is going to be required of them. It says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone, and I love that anyone, don't you love that? He's not partial. It's not just to the 12. It's not just to the 72. It's for anyone who desires to be a disciple. Isn't that wonderful? I was just thinking about this. In that culture, it was for Mary, Mary and Martha. You can take that down off the screen just for a second. Mary in Luke, she's sitting at the Lord's feet and she's listening to his words. And Martha's really disturbed by this. And I don't think it was just, I don't think it was only because Martha needed a little help in the kitchen. Because in that day, disciples sat at the feet of the rabbi they were learning under. And Paul says it of himself in the book of Acts. He said, I sat at the feet of Gamaliel in Jerusalem, meaning I was a disciple of the greatest teacher in Jerusalem, and I sat at his feet, and he taught me, and I submitted to his teaching, and he called me his disciple. So when Mary... Perceives in Jesus' heart, you know what? My culture says that I can't be a disciple because I'm a woman, but you know what? I'm just going to try this because he's been so inviting, so accepting, so loving. I'm just, I'm just going to do it. And she gets that moment and she sits down at his feet and her sister rebukes her for it. And then Jesus stands up. I don't know if he stood up. But Jesus goes, oh, no, 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 Martha. Only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good part. She's chosen to be a disciple. And, she, and he says, and it will never be taken from her. Isn't that amazing? It is for anyone So you can, eh, never, all right, here we go. So if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Yeah, we can go back up to the screen. Thank you so much, Ruth, for your faithful serving and just doing screens and loving God and singing worship songs in your heart to Jesus. We just love you so much. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Guys, we need ears of the Spirit. We need discernment from the Holy Spirit for each of our lives to understand those words. If anyone would come after me, if
1: anyone...
0: Here's the qualification. Let him say no to himself. Let him take up his own cross and let him follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Jesus is like going, there's a great trade going on here. You are in danger of forfeiting your soul if you do not deny yourself and follow me. You are in danger of giving up your very soul. For the Son of Man, and here it is, this is where we started, is going to come With his angels in the glory of his father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. And that what he has done is according to how they denied themselves. How they took up their cross. How they lost their life to find life. It's not divorced. It's not separate. There's a repayment coming. There's a reward coming for those who take these words seriously. You can put down the slide. Jesus is evaluating his leadership team for the millennial kingdom. Jesus is saying, who are gonna be the ones that ascend to my right hand and to my left hand? John and James, they get their mother to come before Jesus. And we've talked about this before, and it's just funny. Mom, mom, he likes you. Hey, why don't, you, why don't you go and ask him this for us, you know? And by the way, this, this woman was related to Jesus, I forget the relation, but she was like a cousin or something like that. She comes to Jesus and she says, in the glory of your kingdom, may my sons, James and John, may one sit on your right hand and one sit on your left hand. And I, I know Jesus is just going, oh man. This is going to stir a fire in the disciples. <laughs> oh, man, they're one-upping each other. Oh, man, this isn't the way my kingdom works. Oh. It was a good teaching moment. And, and he goes, you don't know what you're asking. Like, you really don't understand what's going on here. And then he says, can you drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And they go, yeah. It's like, he's talking about the cross. He's talking about Calvary. I know John was sitting at the foot of that cross. So he, and he was going, Oh, that's the cup that I said yes to. Oh, I thought I could bear that cup. Anyway, and then Jesus goes, The ones who are going to sit on my right hand and my left hand, that's for my Father to decide. And it's actually prepared for people by my Father. And then the disciples get mad at James and John, and Jesus keeps talking about this uh, desire for greatness in the kingdom of God. And I want to say this boldly. Guys, you can desire to be great in the kingdom of God. It is a worthy pursuit. It is a noble pursuit. The Holy Spirit wants you to desire to be great in God's kingdom, great in God's Eyes. I remember I started to pray this when I was in my twenties. God, I want to be great, not in this age, but in the age to come. So do whatever you have to do now so that I can be great in that age. Now, that doesn't mean we don't do anything in this life. But we can desire to be great in the age to come, but then Jesus switches it on him. He goes, you know how my father is evaluating greatness in the age to come? You know how my father is evaluating who's gonna sit on my right hand and who's gonna sit on my left hand? It's who is going to become a servant of everyone around you. And then he says, and if you wanna be great in the age to come, he goes, then you gotta be a slave to all now. And then he says, just as I came, not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Guys, what Jesus did for our salvation, he has designed for our imitation. I'll say that again. What Jesus did for our salvation, laying down his life, going to the cross, he could have stayed that seed in the bag that didn't go into the ground and produce much fruit. He could have done that. That's it. Let's actually, let's go there. John chapter 12. Jesus could have stayed that seed in the ground, but he didn't. That seed in the bag, but he didn't. He died to produce much fruit. Guess who is the much fruit? That's you and me. It says this in John chapter 12. Let's start with verse 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. Now the correlation there was Bethsaida was a border town and so it had a it had a a lot of Greek influence and so kind of Philip knew who who he was dealing with with the Greeks there and Philip uh, and they said this sir we wish to see Jesus what a great prayer (laughs) I just I stopped there this week and I was like I wish to see Jesus (laughs) sir we wish to see Jesus Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Oh, Jesus goes, guys, it's getting close. I'm going to be the most glorious, I'm going to be the most beautiful, I'm going to be the most powerful when I give up my life and I go into that grave and three days later the father raises me and I ascend on high so that every knee will bow and every tongue confess, he says, oh, the time has come for the son of man to be glorified. But if Jesus would have stopped there and not gone to the cross, he wouldn't have been glorified with many sons and daughters in the kingdom. He goes, the time's coming for my glory. But then the next phrase, I bet shocked them a little bit. He says this, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. He says this, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus is talking about us in the future, what we're called to, but himself then. And for, because of mercy, because of love, he said, I'm not going to be the seed that stays in the bag. I'm going to fall, I'm going to go into the ground, and I'm going to bear much fruit. These Greeks that want to come see me, I don't want them to just see me in my glory and then they're separated from that glory. I want to bring them in to my glory. I want to bear much fruit. You Jews who are following me now, I don't want you just to see my glory. I want you to experience my glory. I want you to be a part of my glory. So I'm going to die and bear much fruit. And then what Jesus did for our salvation, he designed, he set up so that we would imitate him. That's the next verses. He says this, and whoever loves his life will lose it. This is a universal law. This is truth. The world fights against this. The spirit of anti-Jesus in the earth fights against this. They fight to keep their life. They fight to have their will, their desires, their way. James says this, you have quarrels, you have Things among you, because you are given into the passions of your flesh, and he says, and you're even praying from that place. You're you're asking, you're not receiving, because you're asking wrong, so that you can spend it on your passions. Sounds like our American culture, right? He actually says, you ask so that you can spend it. That's monetary, on your passions. He goes, that's love for the world. He goes, that is friendship with the world, and that separates you from God. That makes you an enemy of God. That puts enmity between you and God, hostility between you and God. But then James says this. This is all in James 4, by the way. I think it's the first 10 verses. James, James says this. He goes, oh, but God will give you more grace if you submit to him. God will re. Yeah, it's somewhere in my notes. Cool. He, or do you not suppose it is to no purpose that the scriptures say he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But here's the remedy. Here's the way we overcome the world. Here's the way we hate our life in this world. Here's the way we do the trade. God gives more grace than the passions of our flesh. God gives more grace than worldly desires. God gives more grace. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God gives more grace than that. And then he goes, therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but here's the grace he gives. Here's to whom he gives. He gives it to the humble. Let's go on, let's just keep going with those slides. And this is the humble response. You wanna experience the grace of God? You wanna experience power to lay down your life? You wanna experience power to not love your life in this age, but to hate it so that you can have eternal life in the next age? The grace he gives is a grace to submit to God. We submit to God, to God's leadings for our life, to God's desires for our life. Teenagers in this room, Start submitting to God now for what he wants for your life. And wait on God and pray into it and ask him to reveal it. Submit to God for direction. Guys who are in your jobs now, submit to God for direction. He might want to use you in the very place that he has put you for his glory, but you're looking for a better thing. Oh, submit to God. And then he says, and another part of humility, it's resist the devil. Just say no to him. Humble yourself to God, submit to him. And when he comes to lie, when he comes to steal, when he comes to kill, it doesn't feel like killing in the moment, but man, you experience the consequences of death. Resist him, and he gives abounding grace that the devil has to flee from your life. I was feeling this as I was praying for this Sunday. I was, I was feeling this for the youth in our midst. That there is a pull right now. That the call to deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me to hate your life so that you can gain it is opposed by the world and by its systems. And there are two people that are choosing two things right now. They're either choosing to live for themselves and pursue the passions of their heart in the world, or they're choosing to deny themselves and set their eyes on Jesus. I wanna say this to any youth in here. God gives grace to submit to him. God gives grace to resist the devil. God gives grace to draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. Make this decision now. Put a stake in the ground now. I will be one who does not love the world. I will be one who submits my life to God. And those who are older in the faith, re-sign up for this. Evaluate your life under the words of James. Let's keep going with James, James is great. Here's another principle he's going to give grace for. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Woo! Amen! That is one of the most precious promises in the Bible. He will draw near to you. I remind God of this when I'm on my knees before him. I remind God of this when I open the word. God, release grace. Draw near to me right now. Draw near in this week. Draw near he will draw near to us. I'll just keep it up. It's fun. I'm just preaching off of it. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I was thinking of this passage. It was in my notes, and I didn't know if I was going to go there. I was, my Bible was actually opened, and I was about to read it, and Mike said, purify our hearts in the ministry time. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> like that. That's. The Lord wants to release grace for purity of heart. The pure in heart will see God, and he wants to give grace so we can walk in purity of heart. Cleanse your hands, that means repent of your fallenness, repent of your sin. It means, God, I'm sorry. Lord, take this desire out of my heart. Lord, help me with my sin, my anger, my covetousness, my lust, repent cleanse your hands, and then purify your hearts, you double-minded. And then he just goes on and he says, and actually let your laughter be turned in to gloom. What that means is the joy that we, that our flesh experiences from the world, you need to reject that joy, and you need to repent for having joy in the world. And then the very last verse, it's like a humble sandwich. God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble, and then at the end he goes... Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Amen. So we're called to deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow Him. Back to Matthew 26. Oh, no, 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 I'm in John. Whoa. I'm way, far away. He says this: 25. John 12:25. Whoever loves his life will lose it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, here it is, he must follow me. And that means a lot on that side of that verse before Calvary. If anyone serves me, he has to follow me into death. He has to follow me into denying himself. A servant, guys, is not greater than than his master. We have to follow Jesus. But here's the promise: And where I am, there my servants will also be. You know where Jesus is right now? In the presence of God, in heavenly glory. And we get to experience that heavenly glory now, and we are positioning our lives to experience that heavenly glory for eternity. Where he is, we will also be if we follow him now. Ah, oh, amen. Let's go to just one more scripture, and then we'll be done. Second Corinthians chapter five. Now, remember, it said in Matthew 16 that the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Guys, we use this revelation. I, Paul actually follows it with, therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. <laughs> There's a terrifying side to this, isn't it? When you hear that you will receive for everything that you have done and that you will be repaid, there's a terrifying side to that, right? But, guys, there's also a glorious side to that. Because when you obey Jesus, every act of love that you have ever done for him is being recorded. Things 10 years ago that you did for your children that you com- completely forgotten. Jesus goes, oh, I don't, rem- I don't forget. <laughs> I don't remember anything. I don't forget anything. It's all being written down. It's glorious, guys. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll just, we'll, we'll land the, the plane here. I'm going to kind of be talking in one flow of thought from verses one through 10. But let's start with with verse nine and 10. So in light that Jesus is returning, in light that he is coming with all of his angels, and in light that he's gonna repay us, those who followed him, for everything done in the body, verse nine, Paul says, we make it our aim to please him. This is what we're setting our eyes on. Paul says this a few times. It's one of his favorite phrases. He prays for the church of Colossae. He says, oh, that you'd be filled with the spirit of wisdom, that you'd be filled with spiritual understanding so that you could fully please him. I want to fully please him. And then he says, and in that place, you bear fruit in every good work. You please him by obeying him with the good works that he has prepared for you to do. That's what Paul says in Colossians. And he's praying for them. It's like, guys, this is what I'm praying for you. That when you stand before him, that you would make it your aim to fully please him. Verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body. Whether good or evil. This is where it's all going. This is what we set our sights on when we follow Jesus. But as I was in this passage, I was seeing the glory of what has been prepared for us. He says, we make it our aim to please him. Why do we want to please him? Because Paul has just spent about eight verses on what Jesus has purchased for us. I'm just going to talk from my heart from these eight verses. Paul says, if you die in this earthly tent today as a believer, you have a building from God not made with hands. It's eternal in the heavens, and it's been prepared for you. He says, you have a heavenly dwelling. And in this tent, he goes, in this body, he says, we actually groan for that heavenly dwelling. We set our eyes on that heavenly dwelling. We live to be with Jesus. He says, we're groaning for it. He says, we're groaning that our mortality would be swallowed up by life. And he says, and God has prepared these things for us. And I was just thinking, how many things has God prepared for us? This is what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, I love it. Because Paul uses an Old Testament verse, and then he turns it upside down. He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. And right there, you could be like, well, that's cool. Like, man, he's preparing a lot. Like, for those who love him, then Paul goes, but these things have been revealed to us by the Spirit of God. And he says, the Spirit searches the depths of God. The Spirit knows the thoughts and the mind of God as to what's been prepared for us. And then he says, and the Spirit communicates those things to you so that you can understand them. That is glorious. God has prepared so much for us, and we can actually walk in to a conversation with the Holy Spirit and say, talk to me about what God has prepared for me so that I could make it my aim to please him, so that when I stand before him, I would be rewarded with heavenly rewards. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, I think I'm done. We're called to follow Jesus. Mike, why don't you just come up and worship team, if you want to come up as well. you have any way you want?
1: Tell you, what would you guys stand up? So, this was when we prepare messages, it's not like something that we have planned out months in advance, we have it planned out days in advance. And it's what the Lord is just putting in our heart in that moment. And I just feel when Marcus said it's time we need to sign back up again to follow Jesus. I didn't want to do the, you know, stand up if you want to follow Jesus. We all need to follow Jesus. I'm standing you up to follow Jesus. (laughs) You don't have a choice. (laughs) You're going to follow Jesus, (laughs) because no one's getting left behind here. It's no man left behind, no woman left behind. We're doing this together. We're going to encourage each other. We're going to strengthen each other. When we see one falter. Man, this is what we do. We love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength. And then we love each other. And we lay down our lives for each other. And when you see someone next to you that's struggling, that's going through it, man, we go, no. You're going to follow Jesus. Come on. Let's do this together. So I just, I heard, it was just, John 14 says this. Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust God. Trust also in me. This is the words of Jesus. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If, if it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to a, pl- a place, to pre- I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you with me. That you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place that I am going. <laughs> What is that way? Follow me. Follow Jesus. So would you just put your hands out cuz you're going to follow Jesus? And some of us some of us just need to sign up again. It's the sign up. So we're all standing, we're all saying yes. You're going to say yes cuz we're all doing this together. So Lord Jesus, I ask right now. <laughs> I don't ask Lord each one, everyone, ask. You ask right now. <laughs> Just say, Jesus, I want to sign up again. If I've if I've strayed away, I th- you're calling me back. He says he'll leave the 99. He'll leave the 99 sheep to go after the one that's strayed away. He's gonna he's gonna go after us. If you're not following him right now, he's going after you. He's drawing you in. He's not just sitting there going, well, good luck, buddy. <laughs> he's going, No, I'm going after you. So if you're feeling that tug in your heart, if you're feeling that come back, this is the time that we just say, we say no to the things of this world. We say yes to Jesus. We say yes to the very things that He's called us to. There's this verse in, in Philippians, it says, it says this, it says Paul says this, join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who are living according to the pattern that we give you. He's giving us the pattern. For as often as I've told you before, and now I say it again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame, and their minds are on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. Lord, our citizenship will be in heaven. Our eyes are on you. Lord, and I just, I know there'll be days where we'll be like, ah, I, I, I messed up again I'm, I'm not going the right way just sign up again <laughs> sometimes we got to re-sign up a number of times that's okay he's got unlimited ability to sign up but just keep going after jesus when you falter look back to him he's gracious he never says well that was it you i get you five times and now you're done no <laughs> He wants you back in the fold. He wants you to follow him. So, Lord, I thank you for strength. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that will lead us and guide us, that will be the one that actually comforts us. Why? Because we need comfort. (laughs) Because we're not meant to be comfortable. The Lord has shown, as I drove into the church this morning, I just heard the Lord say, remember, you're not here to be comfortable. It's why I sent my Holy Spirit as your comforter, because you're not going to be comfortable. (laughs) So, Lord, I thank you that we're not meant to be comfortable in this life, but we have a comforter that, as we're not comfortable, he's going to comfort us, but not for us to get comfortable. It's to keep us going in the direction that you're calling us to go. Yes, grace, grace. So we say, Lord, it's not by our might, it's not by our strength, it is by your spirit that we will live our lives day in and day out helping each other along the way and saying, eyes on Jesus. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you.